Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Keeping oil in your lamp. Last week we had a powerful message on signs of the season, signs of the times that, that church Jesus Christ is very close to returning for his church. Amen. And it doesn't matter if it's a day. It doesn't matter if it's a year. It doesn't matter if it's 10 years. The Bible teaches us something I want to talk about this morning that is so important. And it talks about staying ready. Amen? Come on, give me some amens this morning. Don't get so quiet about me on me. Amen. Look at somebody next to you and say, stay ready. Amen. Because Jesus is coming whether you're ready or not. Amen. Luke chapter 12. Read with me in verse 35. This is a good note-taking sermon. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Now, I'll get back to that in just a second, okay? Actually, let me just hit that real quick. I know this is a King James name and we don't use gird anymore. Um, but the Bible teaches us that that just simply means to strap up, to get ready, to uh, tie up those things that hinder. Okay? To tie up those things that hinder. And that's the thought this morning as we go forth, that we need to understand that in our walk with God, God is wanting us to tie up those things that hinder us from going forward. Tie up those things that hinder us from being ready. And so we know that when this book was written, church, they wore different clothes than we wear, and they had robes, and their clothes would hang down. And so if they were going to go somewhere fast, they had to tie up those clothes and gird them up here and there around their waist so that they could walk or run faster and that's what that means there okay and so it says just basically to be ready and to tie up those things or uh, get your house in order you could go into that thought or make yourself sure sure that there's no loose ends uh, in, in, in your life or you could almost picture tucking in your shirt making sure everything's clean just being ready for it to go somewhere amen and so then it goes on to say let your and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when we when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks they may open to him immediately how many know to open something immediately you have to be ready just picture that for a second have you ever had somebody come to your house unexpectedly and knock on the door and you have to go answer the door and you're not you're not expecting somebody and so you have to throw clothes on or or you have to turn the lights on or you have to make yourself a, 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 be able to be presentable to the door whatever it is last night that happened i got a uh, the doorbell no someone knocked real hard on the door and how many know if you don't have people just do that a lot it's kind of catches you by surprise so we went and opened the door and we weren't expecting anybody and uh it was someone delivering pizza and I said, I think you've got the wrong address. And it ended up being somebody across the street. And so uh, th that's an example of being ready all the time. Being ready to open the door immediately, not having to say, hey, I'm coming. How many of you have ever stood behind a door and heard someone say, I'm coming? And you look at your watch, and that I'm coming turns into, I'm not coming. Seems like they're never going to come. Amen? How many know somebody that when they tell you they're going to be right there, they're, they're not going to be right there. My, my sister-in-law's here, so I'm going to put her dad on blast this morning, and she knows it's very true. My father-in-law is like that. We would be in Costa Rica, and I'd say, Papi, you know, when you're coming to, uh, to meet me, and he'd say, I'm, I'm leaving the house. Or no, he'd say, I'm around the corner. And he'd be at the house. 
drinking coffee. Is that true? That, that's kind of how he would tell I'm, I'm almost there. And he's not anywhere close to being almost there. So we can't be like that as believers. Amen. Verse 37, blessed are those servants. How many servants do we have in here this morning? Whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them to sit down and eat and will come and serve them. You realize that the Bible's saying here that when Jesus comes back, for those that are ready, he himself is going to serve us. He himself is going to come and we're going to dine with the Lord. Amen. We're going to have a big buffet dinner with the Lord and I'm looking forward to that. And he says, if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. Now remember last week I showed you that in the Jewish time frame, the first watch is six evening to nine evening. The second watch is nine to midnight. The third watch is midnight to 3 p.m. a.m., sorry. And the fourth watch of the night is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Okay, so there's four watches in the night. And that's how they say their time, different from ours. But they're basically saying that when this feast would happen, when this, that what this is talking about, and we're going to go into another parable in a second, when this would begin to happen, they would say uh, the bride, the bridegroom was going to come. For, sorry, the bride was going to come. Bridegroom was going to come for the bridesmaids, and it would be at night. Okay, so we're talking about keeping oil in our lamp, and we're going to see another example of this in a second, but it's happening at night. The Bible says there's going to come a time when no man can work. That's a spiritual, that's a spiritual showing that we're in the light right now. We're able to work. We're able, and that doesn't mean just a physical job paying work, but work for the Lord. But a darkness is going to come upon this world, and at that time, when that darkness comes, there will be no more time to work, and so God says, work now while you can. And he says, keep watch during the night. Because at that midnight hour, when we least expect it, how many know most of the time, thieves don't come and rob during the day? I'm saying it never doesn't happen, but most of the time, thieves come and rob at night when it's dark. And things that are bad take place when it's dark because they can't be seen. Okay? And so there's a time we have to be watching for when Jesus would come back and find us. Verse 39. But know this. That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. Say that, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Father, for the next couple minutes, I just ask that you would anoint these words and anoint our hearts and our ears to hear your word father every person that's here this morning that lord this would not just be another message but lord it would be life changing and transforming to us this morning that our spirits that is not flesh god would absorb and receive and understand your word this morning and something inside of us would prick our hearts to tell us lord that we need to be watching and waiting and we need to keep oil inside of our lamps father and we ask these things in the name of jesus and everybody said Amen. So how many see in this example here, and we're going to go to another place in just a second, that Jesus is saying, I, you, are, you have a lamp. Okay? And in that lamp, there needs to be light. And that light can only be lit and, and have fire coming out of it if it has oil in it. Okay? 
Back in the day, they didn't have electricity. They got around using lamps. And so that lamp was the vessel, which is us. We're the vessel. The Bible says that your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. So we know that the word is a light and a lamp, but we are that vessel, and we carry that lamp, which is our testimony. Okay, the lamp is our testimony. It's who we are. It's how we act. It's how we talk. It's how we walk. That's our lamp. And we need to keep that lamp full of the oil of the Holy Spirit so that that lamp will never burn out. Amen? We need to keep the fire burning inside of us so that that fire doesn't go out. How many know that if we're in a dark world, amen, how many agree with that this morning? We're in a dark world. If we're in a dark world and we are the light, then that light needs to stay shining. And the only way that that light can stay shining is if we keep oil in that lamp. And we have, that, t- that takes work. That takes dedication. That takes relationship. How many married people are here this morning? How many know that when you get married and you say, I do, those first few days and months and even year, not z- year, is a honeymoon stage. And there's all kinds of excitement and freshness and love in the air and it don't take a whole lot of work. You just love each other. You just, you just, you're just amazed by each other. You just want to do nothing but be around each other. And then all of a sudden that one year hits and you begin to get on each other's nerves. And the things that you used to do before that didn't bother you or probably did all of a sudden just begin to manifest. And it's not that we change, it's just that we begin to notice things a little more and we begin to fall out of that honeymoon stage and marriage becomes work. Do I have any married couples that will say amen? If you're not, then you must be in your honeymoon stage. To have a long-lasting marriage, it takes work. So a relationship takes work. To keep the fire in your relationship, in your marriage, with your family, with your friends, takes work. It, It takes a dedication. It takes filling yourself up so that you can give. And that's the kind of thing that God wants us to see. He wants us to see that once we uh, have that moment at the altar where we come and get saved and we say, oh my gosh, Jesus loves me so much that he forgave me as a sinner and I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm redeemed. There's that moment of excitement. Then we realize all of a sudden after that excitement wears off that this walk with the Lord is kind of hard. Am I talking to any real people in here? This isn't exactly the easiest thing in the world and thank God we try to preach here that it's not and we don't try to give you a false idea of what salvation is and Jesus sure didn't. Jesus was real straightforward about what the walk with him would be. He said it all up front, thank God. So you get saved and you're, you're just loving it and that grace is just amazing and you're just in love with the Lord and all of a sudden you start realizing, okay, this is going to take, this relationship's going to take some work. And you begin to work on it. And Jesus is saying, you get to this place because, see, the reason that you have to do what we're talking about is the Lord has delayed his return. Okay? We are in that moment right now where the Lord is delaying his return. And this is the moment where we have to be super careful. Because this is the moment where we can fall asleep. And we can be caught off guard. And we can begin to begin to begin to be busy doing things that are not the Father's business. We can begin to slowly fade back 
to that old person that we were before we met Jesus. Because he's taking so long to come back and will he return and is the word true and can these things be true and all these things happen and life begins to happen and work begins to happen and kids begin to happen and school begins to happen and we just go on and life goes on and all these things begin to happen and all of a sudden we realize I'm not in love with the Lord like I used to be. Anybody with me? And Jesus is warning us here. He's saying, listen, I need you to keep oil in your lamps. I need you to stay ready all the time. And this is the great danger. And I'll tell you what, I'll make a statement today. This is the state of the church. I'm not talking about Victory World Outreach in Denton. I'm talking about the church around the world. We're asleep. We're asleep. We're, we're, we're falling asleep because we've, we've said, oh, he hasn't come yet. Or Just life itself has begun to, how many know the parable of the sower? We read it not too long ago where those seeds go down and sometimes it's the sun that scorches or, or, the, or the, the thorns begin to grow up and choke out the word and all these different things begin to happen. Life begins to come against the seed of the word of God that's been planted in us. And, and the devil is a very good massager of us as in our walk to try to put us to sleep and 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 say yeah you know you're good no you don't need to do anything different you know you don't need to go to church today no you know that you don't need to pick up that bible you read it last week you don't need to pray you've prayed before I mean, he just begins to talk to you and he gives you a little massage and he tells you everything's okay but I don't see that in the word of God I don't see Jesus saying that. I see Jesus saying, be ready. Stay alert. Watch. Pray. Look. Because I'm coming at a moment and a time that you're not ready, that, you're not, that you don't know. It's not that God is trying to surprise us. It's that he wants us to stay ready. Yeah. Amen? Now let's go really quickly over to the book of Matthew. And I'll show you what I really want to get into this morning. This is not something many of you have never seen before. But I want to hit it from a couple of different angles. In the book of Matthew chapter 25. Now, the book of Matthew 25 is a continuation of chapter 24 when Jesus is giving this great warning to us of a lot of what we talked about last week of the return of Christ. And his disciples are saying, Master, when will you return? How will we know when your return is? And he begins to say all these things as a warning of when these things begin to happen, look up and watch and pay attention. And he shows it as an example of a birth, childbirth. We talked about that last week where somebody is given a due date. And we know that we don't know the day or the hour that Christ is going to return, but we know the season. How many are agreeing with me on that this morning? Amen? We know the season. We know that we're in that birth pain time. And we know that the the world cannot go on like it's going on much longer. It's pregnant with revival. It's pregnant with the need of judgment. Not because we want it to be judged, but because God says it will be. And God hates sin. Does anybody know that God still hates sin? doesn't matter how many years we've gone by without him being here on this earth. He still hates sin. He loves the sinner, but he hates sin. And so we know that a judgment is going to come upon this world. And you can, you can sit there and you can just ignore that if you want. And you can say, well, I don't, if I don't think about it, then I'll, just, I'll be able to sleep over better. And you can do that if you want, but it's not going to change the fact that the judgment of God is going to come upon this earth. It's going to happen. It's in the word. 
and, and we have to be ready for it. But thank God as believers, church, we don't have to be afraid of the judgment of God because we've been saved by Jesus. Amen. We've been delivered by the Lord. We've been set free. And he has paid a price for us to not have to walk in that condemnation. But once we give our lives to the Lord, church, we're not done. The work's not done. It's just like you, like I said, let me go back to marriage again. I know some of you aren't married, but you know somebody that is. When you say, I do, it's not it. Wouldn't it be easy to have a great marriage if you just said, I do, and that was it? How many know those words are not that hard? You may kiss the bride. You're excited about kissing each other, and you're ready to get, you know, get on with the next step. And you, Amen? Everybody's shaking around in their seats now. Amen. I do. It's not hard. Say that. I do. I did. Amen. We say that with Jesus. I can say I do. It's not hard. Then marriage begins, and it's the same with our walk with God. We don't just say, oh, Jesus, I believe, and I accept you, and it's it. We just sit back and wait for him to come. I'm going to show you what the Bible says. Matthew 25, verse 1. Let's look at this parable of the... Wise and foolish virgins. Now, I'm going to break down some doctrine for you this morning. Amen. This is a preaching, teaching doctrine message. The Bible says that this is a parable of wise and foolish people. Okay? But one thing that's very important to understand is that Jesus is talking to believers. This is not erroneously preached, is this parable sometimes, that this is to five believers and five unbelievers. Now, I know some of you have heard me talk about this before, but God will give you something new this morning. Amen? This is not God speaking to five lost people that are foolish and five saved people that are wise. And the reason we know that is because he calls them all what? Virgins. So he's talking to 10 virgins. He's talking to 10 believers. Okay? And then he goes on to say, five of them are wise, five of them are foolish. Let's read this morning, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Stop right there. If they have a lamp, they're a believer. You don't get a lamp. You don't have a testimony or a witness without believing. So he's not talking to five unbelievers and five believers. And he says they're going out to meet the bridegroom. They had to have accepted Christ to be invited to meet the bridegroom. How many are following me? Just put that out and understand this is Jesus talking to ten believers. He's talking to you and me. Okay? Then it says, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. It's important to know that this isn't saying half the world's saved, half the world's not. It's not a 50-50 number. It's not important. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't need to matter what he's saying there. Because if you really think about it, if you go into the book of Revelations, you see that Jesus is talking to seven churches. And if you've ever heard a teaching on the seven churches of Revelation, the Bible says that out of those seven churches, only two we're in good standing with God. I personally, if I were to just, if anybody asked me on my opinion, I would probably say that's more of a likely number of believers that are ready and watching and living for the Lord than 50-50. Can I say that again? I would say that the percentage, whatever it is, that two out of seven is probably more likely than 50-50. And we're not talking about the world, we're talking about 
parentheses, believers. Now, I'm going to break this down why I say that in just a second because, church, the Bible says very clearly in other parts of the scriptures, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we pray for the sick and heal them? And, and didn't we do all these things for you? And he says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because he's stating to us, church, that it's not a one-time I do with God. It's a relationship with God. And he's looking for somebody who walks with him on a daily basis and starts off one way and ends that way. And might fall along the way, but gets back up because the Bible says that the, judge, the, the righteous fall seven times and still get back up seven times. So it's not talking about the fact that we're not going to fall or fail. It's talking about the fact that we finish. Amen. So let's read on. Y'all still with me? All right. What verse did I finish? Going to three. Those who were foolish took their lamps, signifying they knew the Lord, and took no oil with them. Okay? Took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, that is the moment we're in right now, they all slumbered and slept. Now, let me stop there for a second. Sleeping's not bad. He's not saying that you should be red-eyed this morning and not sleep. He's saying there's a time to sleep. There's a time to work. There's a time for everything. Amen. And so we need to know when it is to, to sleep. How many know that, you know, if you've had a really, really, really long week and you work hard and you get up early and all that, if you have a day that you can sleep in, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you sleep in every single day till midnight, or sorry, till noon or three, something's wrong. You're not getting much work done. Amen. Blessed are they that can. How many are following me? That's okay to sleep in every once in a while, to catch up on some sleep, but there's a time to sleep, and there's a time to work. And he says, these people were so tired of the delay, and they got tired of doing right, so to speak, and they kind of let their guard down. So verse 4, 6, sorry, at, at a, and at midnight a cry was heard. That is the trumpet, church. The trumpet that we're going to hear for the rapture. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Watch this. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. How many rose? Who's he talking to? Believers. All of them arose. So again, we're still seeing here, these are believers. And it says they trimmed their lamps. Okay, so that would mean that they begin to do what we do at the altar when we come. We come down and we do business with God. And it doesn't mean you have to do it just here. But when we pray and we ask God to forgive us and we say, Lord, search my heart. We like David did in Psalms 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and remove not your spirit from me. And, and, and we, there's a spirit inside of us that says, God, what in my life is not supposed to be there? What in my life is holding me down? What do I need to trim out? You know, amen? Friendships, relationships, things, uh, sins. I need to trim some stuff out. I need to get some stuff out. Well, when they went, began to trim off these things, they still had a lamp. They still had a testimony. But there was one thing they were lacking. We cannot lack this morning. It was the oil. It's no good to have the, the, the lamp without the oil. Because they trimmed the wicks on the oil, on the candle, however you want to look at it. And what they did was they tried to go and light it. All of a sudden, 
Let me tell you, let me give you a prophetic picture. When Jesus comes back and the church is gone, there's going to be a whole lot of people running around trying to get their things in order real fast. There's going to be a massive change. Hearts are going to fail. People are going to be going, oh my gosh, I've missed it. And they're going to try to get things together in order and they better. Because they're going to be beginning to go into what's called, the Bible says, the tribulation. Amen. And they're going to have to now, because they did not believe the first time, because they did not walk the way God wanted to the first time, now they're going to have to be tested. Now they're going to have to really, really gird up their loins. Meaning get ready and get prepared. So we see here in this, this verse that it says, they trim their lamps and all of a sudden they realize, so the ones that were ready, their lamps lit up and boom, they were good. They had oil in them. But the other one said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Now underline that real quick. This will debunk right here. This verse will, will take away the teaching that is erroneous. That once you get saved and ask Christ into your heart, you cannot lose your salvation. You just got your ticket and you're going to just be in heaven. Because it says right here, look at this, our lamps are going out. That means at one time in their lives, there was a walk. They had lamps and they had oil, but the oil had ran out. Why would oil run out? What makes oil run out? Why would it dry up? What would cause a believer not to be ready? That they would begin to allow so much of this world to come in that it would push the oil of God out. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot love God and love this world. He says you have to choose. He says choose you this day whom you will serve. Are you following me this morning? You cannot live for the world and live for God. You have to be hot or you have to be cold. And if you love this world so much that you can't give up some things, I got some words for you. Go and live it up and enjoy your time before you go to hell because that's where you're going to go. You cannot live a lukewarm life and serve God. So you might as well go have fun. Oh, pastor told me I could go sin. No, you want to sin. I don't need, you don't need, you're looking for somebody to tell you to go sin. Come on, follow with me, amen? I'm not hating on you, I'm loving you. He says, lukewarm people cannot enter in. I'll spit you out of my mouth. He says, I prefer you'd be cold or hot. Amen. So we're seeing here now, let me just clear something up for all you people that are going, oh my gosh, this is, what is he saying? You... Sorry, God does not take back his salvation. That's what the erroneous teaching is. They, they, people think that because we say you can lose your salvation, that God is just, is just sitting there going, okay, I'm waiting for them to mess up. And once they mess up, I'm snatching my salvation back. No, we walk away from God's salvation. We choose to no longer keep oil in our lamps like these five foolish virgins. We choose to go back to our vomit, the Bible says. Excuse me for being blunt, but it says it in the Bible. Like a dog goes back to his vomit. Oh, I don't know anybody like that. Well, I do. I know a lot of people like that. Oh, they were never saved. I don't see that in this scripture because the Bible said they had a lamp and they had oil. 
I know lots of people who have known God. They chose to turn their back on God and go back to the world. Amen? Demas was one of them. He says he loves this world. He loved this world too much. Jesus, sorry, Paul called him out and said his name and said he had loved this world too much. He's gone back. You don't have to be here this morning and going, oh, is God going to, is he going to, you know, am I going to make it, am I going to not? The fact that you're worried shows that you're trying to live for the Lord. It's people who play around with the salvation of God, who, like I said a couple weeks ago, don't take the responsibility of the righteousness of God seriously. Can I move on? Let me, let me take you to something powerful real quick uh, in the book of Ezekiel. And I'm going I'm to close up with this. The book of Ezekiel chapter 14. He's a major prophet. Go to the Old Testament real quick. I want everybody to see this. Because your walk with the Lord is personal. It's personal. Too many people are trying to be like these five foolish virgins. And listen, they're trying to get to heaven off of the relationship of somebody else. Trying to live their faith through the faith of somebody else. That is what we see in this picture right here. We see the five who are messing around. Listen, I guarantee you, you that are here, and God forbid, I'm praying that not one person in this church is going to miss the rapture. I'm praying we're all going to go. Amen. We've done plenty of teaching about it. You can't point your finger at me if you do. Amen. I want everybody to go, and so does God. Amen. But if, I guarantee you, if you know somebody, whether it's in this church or a friend or a family member or whatever, if you are gone all of a sudden, and you're, me and my brother-in-law were talking about this this week. How many know that, have heard the saying that you uh, are only about six people removed from knowing everybody in the world? That's a fact. If one person out of every six went in the rapture, everybody in this world would know somebody who was gone. Everybody. It's going to affect us worldwide. And I guarantee you, if you're a believer here this morning and you go in the rapture and Jesus takes you home and all of a sudden people have disappeared off this earth and craziness begins to happen, which is called the tribulation, I guarantee you, you're going to have a whole lot of people knocking on your door and calling your cell phone and trying to get a hold of you, but you're not going to be there because they're going to try to see what you did, but you're going to be gone. That's what these virgins did. The five foolish said, hey, give us some of your oil. Can you get me in? No, he says, because if I give you a mine, I won't be able to get in. It's not that they were even there to talk about it. He's giving an example. And I want to show you something powerful this morning in the book of Ezekiel. Say amen if you're there. This is after uh, the book of, sorry, chapter 14, book of Ezekiel. Prophetic, this, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Uh, um, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, missing one. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. What's the other one? Daniel, thank you. You got these four major prophets that are prophesying the future. Man, this is powerful. Watch what this says. To, for you to understand this morning, this is you and God alone. Isaiah says, sorry, Ezekiel says in chapter 14, verse 12, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Now watch this. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, 
they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. Do you get what that's saying? He brought up some mighty men of God that were mightily used of the Lord, and he basically said, if I did that to that land, they would only be saved by their own personal righteousness. Their own personal readiness. I can preach to my family. I can lead my family. I can preach to you. I can lead you. I can do all those things and you can do all those things. But church, when we stand before God, we're not going to stand as a family. When we stand before God, we're not going to stand with our friends. When we stand before God, we're going to stand by ourselves. And you better have a personal relationship with Jesus. It better not be, well, so-and-so told me. Or I Some of y'all live off the quotes of other people. That one bounced all over the place. Some, some of y'all got that, amen? Some of you guys look for revelation too much in other people's revelation. Where is your own revelation? Where is your own relationship with God? Where is your own prayer time? Do you read the word by yourself or is this the only time you open up your Bible all week? You have got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. And that is how you're going to make it. This is showing us in this scripture. I'll go on to read just a little bit more. 15, if I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they empty it and make it so desolate that no man passed through because of the beast, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons, watch this, neither sons nor daughters, or would they be delivered, oh sorry, only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. What's he saying? You cannot get to heaven on the faith of your parents. You cannot get to heaven on the faith of a family member. How many of how many, how many you ever ran into somebody and they said, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, no, I'm this. I'm Catholic. I'm Methodist. I'm, I'm Jehovah's Witness. I'm Mormon. I'm Islam. I'm whatever. I didn't ask you that. Do you know Jesus? Because listen, when you stand up in heaven, you're not going to be able to pull out your membership card and say, hey, I'm, I belong to the Methodist church or I belong to Victory World Outreach or I belong to Islam or I belong to any of those things. He's going to ask one thing. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? And the only way to get your name in the Lamb's book of life is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and having a relationship with Jesus. That's it. Period. Amen. Amen. And then he says, if I bring a sword, verse 17, on that land, and say, sword, go through the land, and I cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. Verse 20, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves by what? Their righteousness. I wonder if he could be trying to nail down a point. <laughs> he said it like four times in a row. Now that's not something that has to scare us. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you, get a hold of God for yourself. Get a hold of God for yourself. Know who Jesus is for yourself. Amen. You cannot be saved by, by works, by a lifestyle, 
or by beliefs in something else. You have to be working your own salvation out with fear and trembling. Write these four things down as we close. How do I keep oil in my lamp? How do I do it? Let me tell you something this morning, church. I, you're going you're gonna to thank me one day for these kind of messages. When we're up there in heaven, you're going to come shake my hand and say, thank you for preaching the truth to me. Amen? Come on, are y'all here still? Thank you. Because I thank my pastor. I thank God we're, a, we're, we're teaching the truth. And we're not sugarcoating it. Jesus is coming for a church that's looking for him. That's busy. That's living a holy and a righteous life. And that's trying to be ready for him. How do I do it? It's going to sound easy. You're probably looking for some kind of amazing revelation. Number one, read your Bible every day. Every day. And don't just do it because you know you need to. Fall in love with the Lord and say, God, I need to know your word. Read the word daily. Number two, pray and be intimate with God daily. That's it. If it's that easy, why don't we do it? Amen? Pray and be intimate with God daily. Number three, worship God daily. Notice I didn't say read the word on Sunday, pray on Sunday, and worship on Sunday. I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have a fear that if a believer only does it once a week, they just might not be ready. I'm just reading the word of God. Not everybody who says that they're a believer is a believer. Not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Amen. It's not based on your words. It's based on your walk. It's based on your life. Oh, I fail. So do I. Oh, I mess up. So do I. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But there's a difference between somebody who makes a mistake and says, God, I'm sorry about that. I, I didn't want to do that. And somebody who is just living their life, walking with the grace card of the Holy Spirit and saying, God did it all. So I don't have to do anything. I don't see a readiness in that. I don't see a preparedness in that. I don't understand. Let me just chase a rabbit for two seconds. I don't understand why on all these quotes you see from all these mega pastors, you never see any quotes about anything mean or condemning or straightforward. It's all, it's all sugar. There's no, I don't ever see anybody re-quoting Joel Olstein or, or any of these people that are mega church. I don't ever see them re-quoting anything that says anything that cuts to the heart. I don't see it. Why? Because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. They don't want to hurt anybody's uh, walk. They don't, they don't want to uh, step on anybody's toes. Well, I won't make you read the next chapter of where we were reading and see what Jesus says about that. How many know you need somebody to tell you the truth? Not everybody's going to go to heaven. Could everybody go to heaven? Most definitely. Why don't we? Because we don't choose to. Amen? This world is more important. Number four, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going to read all this for time because I want you to read it later. But I'm going to just read a couple of verses. And I'll, I'll go ahead and let the 
musicians began to come and prepare. Ephesians chapter 5. Say amen if you're there. So read the word daily. Pray daily. Worship daily. Walk in the spirit is number four. And how do we do that? Stay with me. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. How many know the Bible's pretty clear, church? Y'all still here? Fornication and uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For you know that no fornicator unclean person, covetous person, idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That's what's being preached today, is empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Do not be partakers with them. Now this is for everybody here. Verse 8, you once were in darkness, were in darkness. Now you are the light of the world. Walk as children of light. Righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, goodness, truth, finding what is acceptable to the Lord. And watch this, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. Amen? And you can go on later and read the rest of that chapter. Church, it's not hard to see what God expects of us. He expects something out of us. It's a walk. And I don't know if you want to take that Matthew 25 and you want to run somewhere else with it, but it's pretty clear. We need to walk out our our salvation every day and we need to shun evil and we need to say no to temptation And we need to try to do our very best every day in our physical ability to walk as an imitator of God. Today we live in a world where the church is trying to be like the world instead of the world trying to be like the church. And you know what? That's your responsibility and my responsibility personally. It's a personal walk. How many this morning want to stand before God by yourself but have Jesus by your side as your lawyer? Amen. If you walk righteous and you're ready, Jesus will stand there with you. You can be ready. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed this morning. I I sent out a verse today. If you'll confess him before man, he'll confess you not only before the angels, but before his father. If you deny him before the man, he'll deny you before the angels and his father. We don't have to be afraid this morning. I'm teaching you to keep oil in your lamp. The best oil is the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know y'all are deep in thought or your your brains are cold or I don't know what it is, but I pray you're here. Amen. Y'all still with me? How many want to live for the Lord? How many want to be ready when Jesus comes back? Every day. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning.